Hello, constant listener. I wanted to give you a slightly different episode today. I'm curious to hear of different tales from around the world. I grew up with stories of the boogeyman, so what tales of horror were commonplace for you as a child? So whereabouts from Scotland are you from? So I'm from Glasgow originally, but I've been here for about 12 years. So I grew up just outside of Glasgow, but moved in to Glasgow in my early 20s. Thank you. So I have some questions for you as far as Scotland. What are kind of pieces of lore that you grew up hearing about? His response opened up a unique insight into my research. A simple poem passed down through many generations of Scottish children. That's a big question. It's a very old country. So I think <clears throat> I think the the thing that every kid hears about or knows about is um, is actually a story. It's um, it was a poem by the uh, poet laureate, a guy called Rabbi Burns or Robert Burns, as. Um, most people not in Scotland know him. A horror poem by Robert Burns in the year of 1790. This tale of witches and near-death experience with evil is so ingrained in Scottish pop culture, you don't need to look too deep to find references to it. I sat down with Ross McGarvey, and we had a pleasant interchange about his upbringing. Haggis, neeps, and tatties. So that's haggis, which if anyone's ever heard of it, it's all the stuff it's all the parts of an animal you don't eat. Okay. You grind up, you mix it with oats and seasoning, and you, his, you know, historically cooked it in a sheep's stomach. Mm. You you boiled it. What yeah. is your opinion on haggis? I like it. Really? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's like, it's like the old school version of a hot dog. Okay. <laughs> you know, you think sure, about I what a hot dog that. is, and you're like, I would never eat that. We turn our attention back to the details of Tam O'Shanter. And it's long. I mean, it's a couple hundred lines long it's an old scots so go read it and try and understand it without the translation i dare you what he's referring to is if you attempt to read the poem in its original printed vernacular it uses a lot of the old gaelic affectations and wording that wouldn't be very commonplace to someone like me but i wanted to read the poem for you constant listener as this may be the first time you have heard of it I'll be reading it with some variation to help with the translation. I'm Tasha Wheelhouse, and this is Copper Shock. The poem of Tam O'Shanter begins with a farmer who, after a long day, loves to go to his local tavern for a drink, or three, before deciding to ride home on his horse, Meg. It is on his journey after the tavern that changes his life. Forever. When the peddler people leave the streets, and thirsty neighbors neighbors meet, as market days are wearing late and folk begin to take the road home, while we sit boozing strong ale, getting drunk and very happy, we don't think of the long Scots miles the marshes, waters, steps, and styles that lie between us and our home, where sits our sulky, sullen dame, gathering her brows like a gathering storm, nursing her wrath to keep it warm. This truth finds honest Tam O'Shanter, as he from ire one night did canter, 
old ire, which never a town surpasses, for honest men and bonny lasses. Oh, Tam, had you but been so wise as to have taken your own wife Kate's advice, she told you well you were a waster, a rambling, blustering, drunken boaster, that from November until October, each market day you were not sober. During each milling period with the miller, you sat as long as you had money. For every horse he put a shoe on, the blacksmith and you got roaring drunk on. That at the Lord's house, even on Sunday, you drank with Kirkton Jean till Monday. She prophesied that late or soon, you would be found deep drowned in dune, or caught by warlocks in the murk, by Alloway's old haunted church. Ah, gentle ladies, it makes me cry to think how many counsels sweet, how much long and wise advice the husband from the wife despises. But to our tale, one market night, Tam was seated just right, next to a fireplace blazing finely, with creamy ales that drank divinely, and at his elbow, Cobbler Johnny, his ancient, trusted, thirsty crony, Tom loved him like a very brother. They had been drunk for weeks together. The night drove on with songs and clatter, and every ale was tasting better. The landlady and Tam grew gracious, with secret favors, sweet and precious. The cobbler told his queerest stories. The landlord's laugh was ready chorus. Outside, the storm might roar and rustle, Tam did not mind, the storm a whistle. Care, mad to see a man so happy, even drowned himself in ale. As bees fly home with loads of treasure, the minutes winged on their way with pleasure. Kings may be blessed, but Tam was glorious over all the ills of life victorious. But pleasures are like poppies spread. You seize the flower. Its bloom is shed, or like the snowfall on a river, a moment white, then melts forever. Or like the aurora borealis rays that move before you can point to their place, or like the rainbow's lovely form vanishing amid the storm. No man can tether time or tide. That hour of night's black arch the keystone that dreary hour he mounts his beast in, and such a night he takes to the road in, as never a poor sinner had ever been out in. The wind blew as if it had blown its last. The rattling showers rose on the blast. The speedy gleams and darkness swallowed, loud, deep, and long the thunder bellowed. That night, a child might understand. The devil had business on his hand. Well mounted on his gray mare Meg, a better never lifted leg, Tam raced on through the mud and mire, despising wind and rain and fire, whilst holding fast his good blue bonnet while crooning over some old Scots sonnet, whilst glowering round with prudent care, lest ghosts catch him unaware. Alloway's church was drawing near. 
where ghosts and owls nightly cry. By this time, he was across the ford, where in the snow the peddler got smothered, and past the birch trees and the huge stone, where drunken Charlie broke his neck bone. And through the thorns, and past the monument, where hunters found the murdered child, and near the thorn above the well, where Mungo's mother hanged herself. Before him, the river Dune pours all its bloods. The doubling storm roars through the woods. The lightning flashes from pole to pole. Nearer and more nearer, the thunder rolls. When glimmering through the groaning trees, Alway's church seemed in a blaze. Through every gap, light beams were glancing, and loud resounded mirth and dancing. Inspiring old John Barleycorn, what dangers you can make us scorn. With ale, we fear no evil. With whiskey, we'll face the devil. The ales so swam in Tam's head. Fair play, he didn't care a farthing for devils. But Meg stood, right sore astonished. Till, by the heel and hand admonished, she ventured forward on the light, and vow, Tam saw an incredible sight. Warlocks and witches in a dance. No cotillion, brand new from France, but hornpipes, jigs, strathspeys, and reels put life and metal into their heels in a window alcove in the east. There sat old Nick in the shape of a beast. A shaggy dog, black, grim, and large. To give them music was his charge. He screwed the pipes and made them squeal, till roof and rafters all did ring. Coffins stood round like open presses that showed the dead in their last dresses. And by some devilish magic slight, each in its cold hand held a light, by which heroic Tam was able to note upon the holy table a murderer's bones in gibbet irons, two span-long small unchristened babies, a thief just cut from his hanging rope with a last gasp on his mouth did gape, five tomhawks with blood red rusted, five simtars with murder crusted, a garter with which a baby had strangled, a knife a father's throat had mangled, whom his own son life bereft, the gray hairs yet stacked to the shaft, with more, oh, horrible and awful, which even to name would be unlawful. Three lawyers' tongues turned inside out, sewn with lies like a beggar's cloth. Three priests' hearts, rotten, black as muck, lay stinking, vile, in every nook. As Tam glowered, amazed and curious, the mirth and fun grew fast and furious. The piper loud and louder blew. The dancers quick and quicker flew. They reeled, they set, they crossed, they linked, till every witch sweated and smelled, and cast her ragged clothes to the floor, and danced deftly at it in her underskirts. Now, Tam, oh, 
Tam. Had been these young girls, all plump and strapping in their teens, their underskirts instead of a greasy flannel had been snow white, 1700 linen. And trousers of mine, my only pair, that once were plush and good blue hair. I would have given them off my buttocks for one blink of those pretty girls. But withered hags, old and droll, ugly enough to suckle a foal, leaping and flinging on a stick. It's a wonder it didn't turn your stomach. But Tam knew what was what well enough. There was one winsome jolly wench. That night enlisted in the corps, long after known on Carrick shore. For many a beast to dead she shot, and perished many a bonny boat, and shook both much corn and barley, and kept the countryside in fear. Her short underskirt, o paisley cloth, that while a young lass she had worn, in longitude though very limited, it was her best and she was proud. Ah! little knew your reverend grandmother that underskirt she bought for her little granddaughter with two scots pounds it was all her riches would ever grace the dance of witches but here my tale must stoop and bow such words are far beyond her power to sing how nanny leapt and kicked a supple youth she was and strong and how tam stood like one bewitched and thought his very eyes enriched. Even Satan glowered, and fidgeted full of lust, and jerked and blew with might and main, till first one caper, then another. Tam lost his reason altogether, and roared out, Well done, Cutty Sark! And in an instant all was dark. And scarcely had he Meg rallied, when out of the hellish legion sailed, as bees buzz out with angry wrath, when plundering herds assail their hive, as a wild hare's mortal foes, when pop, she starts running for their nose, as eagle runs for the market crowd, when catch the thief resounds aloud. So Meg runs, the witches follow, with many an unearthly scream and holler. Oh, Tam, oh, Tam, you will get what's coming. In hell, they will roast you like a herring. In vain, your Kate awaits your coming. Kate soon will be a woeful woman. Now, do your speedy utmost, Meg, and beat them to the keystone of the bridge. There you may toss your tail at them. A running stream they dare not cross, but before the keystone she could make, she had to shake a tail at the fiend. For Nanny, far before the rest, hard upon noble Meg's breast, and flew at Tam with a furious aim. But little knew she of Meg's mettle. One spring brought off her master hull, but left behind her own gray tail. The witch caught her by the rump, and left poor Meg scarce a stump. Now who this tale of truth shall read? Each man and mother's son take heed, whenever to drink you are inclined, or short skirts run in your mind. You may buy joys over dear, remember Tam O'Shanter's mare. And that is the tale of Tam O'Shanter and Alloway's abandoned church. The name Tam is so prolific that a traditional Scottish hat now carries that nickname. 
In the 1860s, there were two kinds of ships that would be produced. One is a paddle steamer, kind of like a sailboat mixed with a steam engine, and a clipper, which is the traditional sailboat that one might picture when I say pirates. Strangely enough, it wasn't an uncommon practice in the 1860s to convert a steamer back into a sailing clipper. One such ship in 1862 was sold and placed into dry dock to study her engineering layout. This ship was retrofitted by removing the engines and renaming her the Tweed. The figurehead on the front was of Tam O'Shanter. The best part, a new ship was created based on the engineering revolutions they saw from the Tweed. A new clipper was to be built. This new ship is historically one of the more famous in Scotland, and you can still visit it today as a museum. She was a faster vessel and undoubtedly needed to be paired with the inspiration of the Tweed. The ship's name? Cuddy Sark. But the most interesting fact to me is the choice of the figurehead. She was not only of a voluptuous woman, but this figurehead had an outstretched left arm, clutching an entire horse's tail before her. The figurehead is unmistakably Nanny, the youngest witch, who almost caught Tam O'Shanter. Scotland regularly each year holds children's school competitions for reciting this old poem. And what's even more wild is every January 25th, Scotland celebrates the birthday of this poet, of Robert Burns. There's a whole ceremony around a Burns supper. You begin the evening with company sat down for dinner, and then you say the Selkirk Grace. I think it's something, and I'm totally up for correction again. It starts, you know, some he meet and can eat, and some he, uh, he meet that wanted, but we he meet and we can eat, and praise the Lord, be thank it. Um, translated. <laughs> Thank you. Some have meat and cannot eat, and some have no meat that want it. But we have meat and we can eat, and praise the Lord, we thank it. A prayer written by Robert Burns. After which, the haggis is brought into the room accompanied by live bagpipes. They walk about the room together, the bagpipe player and the man holding the plate of haggis. When the song is concluded, the host of the party will say the address to the haggis. A poem said over the haggis to the company of the party before cutting it open. It's a very interesting tradition I'd never heard of before, and all of it based on an old horror tale. Thank you for listening. This was a very different episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. Please come follow Coppershock on Facebook or Instagram. And if you have a moment, please leave a review for Coppershock on your podcast app. Leaving a review helps other constant listeners like you discover Coppershock's stories. I hope you have a fantastic day and we'll see you soon.